0: You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network, and now LuchaCentral.com presents Lucha Libre Figures and Facts.
1: Uh, And welcome to the premiere episode of Lucha Libre Figures and Facts, the podcast that examines the history of Lucha Libre toys and action figures, brought to you by Mass Republic, Boss Fight Studio, and the Lucha Central Network. I'm Eric Arana, and with me today is the wrestling toy expert and host of the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast, Jeffrey Toon. Jeffrey's brother, Matt, was going to join us, but got called into work. Matt, thank you for being an essential worker and taking the risks that most of us shouldn't be taking at this time. We'll have more on Matt as he'll be joining us regularly in the future. Jeffrey, introduce yourself.
2: How's it going, Eric? Uh, It's good to be talking to you again.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here with me.
2: Oh, yeah, Amanda. You know, when you were on our show, the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast, that show got so much love. and. And from what we were hearing, it got a lot of eyes, more eyes, I should say, over to Boss Fight and Mass Republic. So one, thank you for being on because it was a fun, fun interview.
1: Oh, thank you. It was great to be there. And I'm glad it, it uh, is doing well. So,
2: No, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. It was fun talking to you from Hasbro to G.I. Joe to everything under the sun. You know, it was a great time.
1: Where can people listen to your podcast?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can hear it on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, fullyposablepodcast.com. Uh, you can download the Podbean app and you can go back and listen to every single episode we've ever put out from the horrible early days of uh, episode one to a little bit better sounding now to episode 222 that we'll be releasing later today.
1: For, for the listeners who don't know you guys from your podcast, uh, what's your uh, connection to wrestling and wrestling figures in general?
2: So it's my brother and I, it's my, I call him my real life brother, not storyline brother, Scott. Uh, <laughs> Scott and I have been collecting for over 35 years. We started with Remco's, we started with LJNs, and then on to Hasbro, on to old San Francisco toy makers, to Just Toys Bendums, to Toy Biz, to Jack's to now Mattel, and then now including Super 7, Boss Fight, Master Public. <laughs> Figures toy company and who's the other one? Oh, Jazzwares with AEW line. So yeah. Yeah, we've been collecting for 35, 36 years with a massive collection. We just have nowhere to put it because it's all out in totes because we don't have (laughs) anywhere to put it because we've got a small space over
3: here.
1: I mean, it's all amazing stuff. As for me, for those of you who don't know, I'm part owner and of Boss Fight Studio, and I'm also one of the designers working on the upcoming Legends of Lucha Libre toy line. I've been in the toy industry for over 10 years, including a number of years at Hasbro, working on G.I. Joe, Transformers, Beyblade, and more. I spent most of my time at Hasbro on Star Wars, though. I'm an avid toy collector and comic collector, and I love movies and books. And I'm also a fairly prolific, uh, time-consuming hobby of uh, customizing. I (laughs) I customize a lot of books. (laughs)
2: And you are a huge fan of Aquaman.
1: I am. I'm a huge fan of Aquaman and Green Lantern and G.I. Joe and (laughs) all sorts of stuff. So as for the listeners, I hope we're all doing all right in this time of social distancing and quarantine. Uh, Hopefully this conversation about luchadors and the toys that that represent them helps you get through at least one long day at home. Today we're going to be discussing two lucha libre legends, Rey Mysterio Jr. and Eddie Guerrero. Specifically, we'll be discussing the Jacks Halloween Havoc two-pack and the same figures from Mattel's Elite line. The importance of that match and the figures that the match inspired. So, um, in later episodes, we'll discuss other Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero figures, I'm sure. But today is all about Halloween Havoc, 1997. <laughs> wanted to touch on the match a little bit, just real simply here. It was in October uh, of nineteen ninety seven october twenty sixth in Paradise Nevada at the MGM Grand Garden arena. It was a mask versus title match um, at the time Eddie Guerrero was a cruiserweight champion and if he lost uh, Ray got the um title and if Ray lost uh, Eddie got his mask. Jeff, what do you remember about that night?
2: You know, it was, okay, let me kind of rewind a little bit. So, allegedly, my parents may or may not had a cheater box. I'm not saying if they did or not. I don't know if anybody remembers those, you know, what? Spice Channel, what's that? You know, (laughs) Um, but I remember we sat down to watch it because we watched them all. And the first couple matches that night were actually really good. It was Ultimo dragon against. Oh, and of course the name just slipped my, my brain right now. Uh, Next match was Jericho versus Gato. And then was Eddie and Ray. And I remember the first few matches were were pretty good. And I was like, okay, the show's starting off hot. Then the Eddie and Ray match took off. It just put it on a whole different level. And they didn't stop. I think they went 14 minutes. Yeah,
1: it was just under 14 minutes, just it under 14 thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
1: It's not and even the longest match of the night.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't. But that match just put that show on a whole different level because it was nonstop action from bell to bell. It was nonstop. It was just move after move. And you could say, oh, it's a spot fest or I don't care what you say. All I'm going to say is that it was a beautiful match.
1: I used to go over to my my best friend's house, uh, Antonio, and this is back in Florida. In my Florida days, uh, we would go over there and watch it at his house. Um, He would tape it and we would often rewatch it. Uh, throughout the month before the next show. And um, it was usually on Sundays back then, I think, uh, mm-hmm. most pay per views. And yep. that one was, it started out great. And then the Eddie and uh, Ray match, and and it's a stacked card. You've got like Lex Luger and Ric Flair. You've got Kurt Henning. You've got all these greats that night wrestling. Mm-hmm. But man, e- Eddie and Ray just stole the show like completely. This match has been, has become one of the notoriously famous matches for just being one of the benchmarks Mm -hmm. in lucha and in wrestling in general Mm -hmm. both in the u.s and mexico and everything like it's just one of those matches that has permeated it it, it was so strong that you know eight years after the match Jax came back to it um and then even Mattel came back to it and they were like, this is, we we need to put this back out. We need to put this out again. Yeah. You know, there's three rays in this costume. Technically it's only one Eddie, but you can kind of fudge it and say two maybe, but like it is such an, if they made, if they made Eddie in that exact costume, I'd buy it again. Like I, I'd be there and it's such an important match. And it's had these like long lasting, you know, echoes through the industry, and and I, the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on with that was WCW NWO Revenge yes. for N sixty four. Oh yeah, it came out exactly a year after the match, the actual match. Mm-hmm. It came out ninety eight. The match was in ninety seven ten twenty six same day. It was the game by THQ. At the time, it was like voted the best fighting game that year. It was voted the best wrestling game. It wasn't a me. I played this game so much.
2: <laughs> oh, man. So I was going to college. And th- we would be up till 4 a.m., 5 a.m. playing this game with friends. They would yeah. be over at the house. And my mom would say, you guys stay as long as you want because as long as you guys aren't out on the streets, you know, hanging out till 4 or 5 a.m., I'm okay with you guys being over at the house till 4 or 5 a.m. Because I know where you guys are. But anyways, friends would be over playing this game till 4 or 5 a.m., eating Doritos, you know, (laughs) just having so much fun with this game. We, you know, we would have special... Ref, or we not special referees we have um people interfere and oh it's yeah. just so many memories and so much love for this game and and all those thq games that came out at that time but like you said they did a callback with the ray yep. to to the halloween havoc and one thing i'm kind of curious about and i'm gonna get your opinion eddie and ray faced each other so many times yeah throughout the years in fact they had a uh ladder match at SummerSlam 2005 where it was for that's still one of my favorite clips one of my 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 brother has a side uh podcast called Drunk Wrestling History and one of the clips is at the very beginning in their intro is Michael Cole saying
1: first time in the history of the WWE the custody of a child will be determined in a match
2: <laughs> and only in wrestling can that happen but oh, well, anyway that was
1: such a weird storyline and it was it was awkward, but yeah. what do you
2: think about, what was it about that Halloween Havoc match that set that match above any other Eddie and Ray matches?
1: Well, they, you know, they both got better as they went on. So I would say that some of the matches later on that they had are better than, are technically better than this Halloween Havoc match, but the Halloween Havoc match, I think, was one of the first times you know, they they had been at ECW and they had been at WW at WCW for uh, two years at the time I think. I don't even think it might not have been even that long.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Like when did they go to ECW? I think in 96 or Nin-
2: 90- 95.
1: Uh-huh. So 95. So two years in was kind of the luchador invasion of WCW. It was never really an invasion angle, but you know, all, a lot of those guys started coming from Mexico, like, you know, Conan and and Ray and Eddie and La Parca and, you know, all these great wrestlers started coming up. And I think that the, the Halloween Havoc match was the first time that one, I think WCW was on an ups, a big upswing at the time. Yeah. Or maybe they were almost at their pinnacle because I think shortly after 97 is where they started to lose ground. Yeah. But I think during 97, they, they were at this pinnacle where more people were viewing it and more people were watching it. And I think that was a key introduction to what Lucha Libre could actually be and do to the American audience. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it was this kind of, I mean, people, had American audience had already seen a lot of it, but that match was just, you know, so good. And we had mentioned be earlier that some of the other matches that night went longer than that match, not much longer, but a couple minutes, but they didn't have as much story and they didn't have as much action. Right, as th- That was 13 minutes straight of them jumping and flipping and running around and beating on each other, throwing each other out of the ring. It, like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first feel for R- Lucha Libre that uh, people were exposed to. It certainly wasn't the first time it was there. But, but I think more and more people had been watching WCW, so that more and more people were exposed to it at the time.
2: And I think there was a lot of other factors. The Cruiserweight title was on the line. Yeah. Uh Ray's outfit played a huge part. Such an iconic look for him. It, exactly. It didn't need the custody of a child at stake, you know. <laughs> it was just it was a fun lucha match. Now we had seen a lot of lucha matches on Monday Nitro's. Yes, prior to that. But they were given just under 14 minutes and they had to go out there and just steal the show and you know what they did? Yeah, it, it was almost like Eddie and Ray kind of looked at each other and like, "Yeah, we're tearing this house down tonight." <laughs> yeah. yeah, not Hogan and Piper. Uh yep. Savage and DDP was an okay match.
1: Yeah, I mean DDP always delivered no matter what, I, especially
2: especially with Savage.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, him, some of their feuds were amazing.
2: Yeah, and like uh, like I was saying earlier, Ultimo and Nagata wasn't bad. Jericho and Gato wasn't bad, but when this match hit it just brought the crowd to a whole different level yeah so that's what i loved about this match and why it stands out not because it's been immortalized because of ray's outfit but just going back and watching that match and it stands up today
0: hey everyone denise salcedo coming to you from lucha central central this is an exciting week as we launch the lucha central podcast network your brand new source for the best podcasts covering lucha libre in both english and spanish and with so many formats we've got something for everyone launching this week are our flagship shows lucha central weekly we've got an edition in english and one in spanish and the lucha central weekly podcast will drop every friday morning taking a look back in the week that was and setting you up for everything you need to know heading into the weekend Thursdays, we will be bringing you a bilingual double dose of podcast directamente from Mexico and in Espanol, it's La Mesa de los Margaros, the most unique lucha-centric podcast of its kind. It may sound like a joke, a doctor, a photographer, a lucha host, a dancer, and Referee walk into a podcast. But what it really is is one heck of a good time when they all get around a virtual table and talk lucha libre and much more. And on Thursdays, in English, Northern California lucha star, self proclaimed king fat boy, Papa Esco hosts straight out of the bodega where he and his co-host and guests talk about the independent wrestling scene in Northern California and way beyond. The Lucha Central Podcast Network is not only going to be bringing you weekly shows with diverse formats, but we've got an awesome array of monthly series coming your way as well. These shows will launch Mondays and Tuesdays on the network. You can find the very first one there right now. The Lucha Libre Figures and Facts Podcast takes listeners inside the world of pro wrestling action figures like never before. As hosts Scott and Jeff Toon from the Fully Posable Figure Podcast are joined by toy designer and executive Eric Aranya of Boss Fight Studio and special guests to take a look at the release of classic lucha associated action figures and talk about the moment in history in the star's career that the toy captures an inside look into the figure itself and exploration into the collectability and value along with some really fun stories about the host personal chases of some of these figures for their own collection Episode 1 is looking to be available on Tuesday, May 12th. And next Monday, May 18th, look for the debut episode of The Masked Pass with Dos Hermanos Lucha. Whether you have always wanted to get into collecting lucha libre masks and never really had an idea how to go about starting your collection or you're a longtime collector who loves hearing stories of how others have built their impressive collections, The mask cast is for you. On the premiere episode, get to know Dos Hermanos Lucha and hear about their start in collecting, the differences in types of Lucha masks, and some of their tips for authenticating when someone claims a mask was ring worn. Future episodes will feature conversations with other collectors, mask makers, and Lucha stars themselves. And this is just one week of the Lucha Central Podcast Network. We've got even more shows, exciting formats, and incredibly fun topics coming your way. So be sure to subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform. We've launched on a ton of them this week, and you can count on us being on all the majors very shortly. And be sure to follow at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter to stay up on everything on the daily. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. But next week, I'll be back to update you not only on the podcast dropping, but to fill you in on the upcoming Lucha Central Gaming Network and Lucha Central Report TV series as well. Have a great week.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of matches you'll go back and watch and go, Oh, that didn't end well, you know, or, <laughs> you know, that, that I'm not a professional wrestler, but that didn't look right or anything like that. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is I was, I was working for a company out here in Northern California called all pro wrestling. And I was on their camera crew. And uh, one night, one of the wrestlers goes, Hey, uh, there was during, it was after training and the guy goes, Hey, he goes, you want to take a bump? I was like, what's a bump? He goes, well, you know, you cross your arms and you throw your hips up. And I was like, okay yeah i'll try it i took that bump and man did it rattle my testicles all the way up into my throat (laughs) i was like well not doing that anymore (laughs) (laughs) i'll leave that to you guys great job yeah (laughs) and one thing i do want to point out is when i forgot how great it was when eddie would walk to the ring and this is all psychology, but he has the belt kind of just draped over his shoulder with the back, pla- the front-facing plate facing the back.
3: Yeah. and
2: he's walking to the ring, and he's got that shit-eating grin. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. it was so beautiful, and that's the way Eddie was—is he knew that psychology part of the business, and from yeah. even just from that. I mean, Ray comes out to the ring pretty quick in that purple get-up, purple and black—I should say—get-up. But Eddie just kind of strolls to the ring, very slowly, looking at the camera, breaking that fourth wall. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Eddie just owned the crowd, no, no matter what he was doing, and just yeah, you're right. Having the the front plate of the belt like, facing backwards is al- almost like disrespecting the belt. Like, yes,
3: yes. You know, like
1: it's just such a it was so in character for him. And I actually just watched the rewatched the match uh, yesterday, and um, it struck me. the the Eddie sucks chance. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Everybody really hated Eddie, but everybody loved to hate Eddie because he was so good at it. And then he got in the ring and he just delivered on every level, no matter what. Yeah. You know, he made the crowd hate him and he did it so well. And it was like, I was like, it struck me as kind of this like, yeah, nobody would ever nobody's gonna want to admit that they were there chanting Eddie sucks.
3: Yep, yep. <laughs>
1: you know, like nobody <laughs> wants to like fess up to that. But we all like I remember like, man, I, I love to hate Eddie. because yep. he was so good at it.
2: And the other thing about that is is if I don't know if you well, you said you went back and watched it, but the Eddie and Ray match put the crowd on a whole different level because WCW was always well-known for having hot crowds. If you go back and you watch so many of those, w, NWA even, you can go back to the 80s, NWA, WCW, they had some amazing crowds that yeah. were just always into the matches. You it, it, Rare that they ever hit a dead crowd. But anyways, those first two matches of Ultimo Dragon and the Japanese wrestler that I am,
1: Running. it was uh yuji nagata
2: thank you you how could i forget that that's i'm gonna get chastised for that one by some <laughs> friends but uh and then jericho and gato they had a hot crowd already in las yeah. vegas but when eddie and ray came out the fans were hot already and then that crowd just went bonkers now i'm kind of do a spoiler alert but the following match was mongo mcmichael against alex Wright, and yeah. that that match was doomed from the beginning. And not because they had to follow Eddie and Ray. It was because it was Mongo McMichael versus Alex Wright. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex hadn't hit his stride yet. As, <laughs> no. As you know, the, the one half of the Dancing Fools.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Which you know, I, I the other half of the dancing fools was in the next match, which was Disco Inferno. So. Yes, thank you,
2: thank you. Who's took on Jacqueline? Correct.
1: Yes, <laughs> so, it it was an amazing match. So, like, it, it's eight years before there's any product that represents this match, mm-hmm. and that kind of comes in after WCW's demise and and subsequent purchase by WWE. Um, they start to uh, eventually fold WCW stuff into their Jack's toy line. Yes. So, in the be- best of WCW line, in 2005 is the first time we see anything from this match, and that's the single uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. in his purple costume. And I sh- should point out here that WW- WWE never called. Him, Rey Mysterio Jr., he's always just been Rey Mysterio, where at WCW, he was Rey Mysterio Jr.
2: Correct. And Jax Jax gets chastised a lot for a lot of their body types, and they had these big, overblown guys and all this stuff. But, man, if you go back and you look at a lot of those figures, they still hold up today. And that Rey Mysterio, it may have a little bit of a bigger body, bigger scale than what you would see with Rey Mysterio. But you know what? That was a very, very – man, that figure just blew us away because, yeah. one, it was in that best of WCW-ECW line because they also had a best of ECW. But the best of WCW line with that Ray, I thought it was perfect. I loved it. I, and I know Mattel has come out with that Elite – oh, man. I, is it Elite 69? <laughs>
1: uh, elite 67,
2: right. What you're going to hear right now is – this happens to me a lot is like, like, there have been so many wrestling figures over the 36 years we've been collecting, trying to remember who is in which series. Like if there's 70 something elites, I'm going to probably get mixed up. So you're probably going to hear that. Oh, yeah,
1: my... You know what they, I only know it because I wrote it down and, um, because it's in my notes, but like the, uh, the rapid pace that Mattel puts out product as well. Like, yes. I can't keep track of any of it.
3: <laughs>
2: yes, but but if you go look at that Ray, that Ray's beautiful, but to have this very first Ray that came out in the Best of WCW line with that singlet or that outfit that he wore at Halloween Havoc 97, it really captures him. And to, for that to be the first one, kudos to Jax on that one.
1: Yeah, the um, it, it's interesting because I, I didn't know this figure existed actually until we started researching for the show Mm -hmm. there was a stretch of time and right around 2005 where I was living in New York City and I didn't get out to toy stores as much and -hmm. stuff like that there were fewer of them in New York City for you to buy this sort of thing So, so things would come and go so quick that I I just didn't even know they existed but yeah this figure is cool he comes with a chair and he's um I admittedly I'm coming from it's interesting because I come from a different kind of a different mindset what than most wrestling collectors as a toy collector and designer because I, I buy things based on both their their IP their their intellectual property their um their brand mm-hmm. and they have to be a really good toy and I have an un- unreasonable expectation of what makes a good toy <laughs> right. I did that. And, um, so i probably you know with Jax i was thrown off by scale uh-huh and that said i can i can look at a figure and go this is a good figure mm-hmm. um but if it's not in scale with the other figures i may pass on it just because of that um and at this point in 2005 this is where you start to see Jax get influenced by marvel legends mm-hmm. um and Mm -hmm. adding more and more they they have like their more deluxe line with that has more articulation and stuff and i probably would have veered more towards that that line than Mm -hmm. this uh basic line um that said it is a great figure and of course the costume it's one of my favorite costumes that ray has ever worn yes uh an homage to the phantom um for those of you don't know is the purple clad superhero who (laughs) had time um the movie had come out a few years prior to this and it you know ray was homaging superheroes long before it was cool now every wrestler does it
3: mm-hmm. but
1: ray was doing it back in the the mid-90s and switch was very cool of him um, well the only reason that
2: i know that it was phantom was because of my brother so being 100% honest i i know the bare bare bones about comic books um it, the comic books star wars gi joe i know the bare bare bones and it's only because of my brother my brother is the savant at that stuff you and him would get along great you You guys you guys would start a lucha show and then be on to comics in about three minutes i'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) but but um yeah that was the only reason i knew that was the phantom was because of my brother but what i loved about this very first jacks figures is almost seemed like they used a different type of purple Yeah. It's almost a little bit of a darker purple and I kind of dug it. So, and like you said, the scale does bother you where the scale doesn't really affect me that much. And I, I, I understand where people do get thrown off by that. Because if you do look at some of the Jack's bigger bodies back in the day, like I'll say earthquake or typhoon or King Kong Bundy or whoever it may be they were obese. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like they were big boys. No, they were, they were big, big boys. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good when they would do the bigger bodies. So I completely understand why people would get turned off by scale.
1: There's also, there's also from a toy design um, standpoint, wrestling is bigger than life. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is so overblown and so huge. You almost, you want the toys to be larger than life. Yes, And that's kind of, like, so I understand why Jax made the decision to, like, hey, we're going to make everybody these, like, powerhouse physiques and looking and everything like that. I actually, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not not where I collect. And so, so whenever I say things like that, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision to make. I'm usually saying it's just not my decision to make, so it's not my decision to buy. Well, so, like, not- I, get, okay. I, get why, I totally get why they were doing that
2: well you're not you're not wrong, and see that's the best thing about collecting and this is what me and my brother always say. Nobody is wrong no. like if you're mint on card or loose you're not wrong it's what is best for you you're the yeah. one plopping down the twenty dollars that's your decision to buy that figure. If that figure makes you happy out of the package or in the package that's all that matters yeah. what whatever is making you happy that's all that matters because that's your hard-earned money that is going towards that company.
1: Yeah, and the the Jack's uh, best of WCW packaging is really nice. It's like that black and silver. It's got the big logo up the side. Like yep. it's an attractive packaging. Speaking yep. of that, so. Um, do you remember how much these figures were in the store when they came out? Much cheaper than elites. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I I can't remember off the top of my head, but I look back cuz I still have some KB toys stickers on a lot of my old figures. And what kills me is you'll see a lot of those red pen cuz they always used a red pen. Yep. And they would mark 3 for 9.99. And you look back and you're like, man, I wish we could get that back right now. Because those three by, for nine ninety nine was so beautiful. We, yeah. It goes back to the Hasbro days when yeah. we were collecting Hasbro. And you would walk in and you see that three, three for 10, we'll say, three for 10. And you're just like, uh, mom, we got to get three figures because they're on sale right now. Yeah, no, yeah you have
1: don't. to get the three.
2: Yeah. So, no, 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 you don't need any more figures. Yes, we do, mom. You don't understand. <laughs>
1: Interesting tidbit about that. Um I managed KB Toys um multiple stores for many years uh, oh, nice. before and during college. And um where every once in a while we did have to break out the red pens and write that on. But for the uh-huh. most part, we were sent the prices with the red slash and um the like handwritten font um already printed on the stickers. Are you serious? Yeah. Like that was that was just how they how they kind of that was part of their um their marketing.
2: Can I add that to our show notes
1: this week? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna. I may be bugging you to get a, a oh, like a formal quote, but oh my god, dude, I didn't know that. That's awesome.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> how long did you manage?
1: Oh, I um, when I decided to go to that, I was finally gonna buckle down and go to college. Uh, I, I was gonna move to Savannah, Georgia, from South Florida. Mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to find a job that I could transfer to so I had a job when I got there. So I I left my amazing job at an art store managing an art, uh, Pearl Arts and Crafts so, so this giant like Walmart sized art store.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: um I uh left that job and took a risk that I could transfer and took a job managing um, the night crew of a local KB Toys in Florida. And then within like six months or so, I left for college and I um, transferred to the Savannah, Georgia store.
3: Oh, that's and awesome.
1: Over the years, I kind of bounced between the, there were two stores in Savannah. There was KB and then there was Toy Works was the, uh the, the yeah, Toy Works was the, like, it, it was owned by KB, but it was like their discount store. Oh, was okay. The- and I bounced between those two stores off and on managing um, throughout the years while I was in college. Then I eventually left KB and went to Toys R Us.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoa.
1: <laughs> back to Florida.
2: Man, I miss KB Toys so much. It's, oh, yeah. I, I can't even count how many figures I found at KB Toys. I, oh, yeah. More than Toys R Us. I mean, at Toys R Us, we have this lineage. We go back 36 years. Of going to Toys R Us. We my brother and I talk about our local Toys R Us out here and how we had a connection to LJN figures. So, anyways, that's a that's a, that's for a different podcast. But anyways, uh um but I remember so many times just walking into KB Toys, grabbing four, five, six figures off the pegs because that was gonna be 20 bucks and I got 20 bucks, I got paid 20 bucks and leaving with like six figures. I miss those days so yeah. much.
1: It was great, and they they had um, yeah. I bought so many. I was a customizer already, and I was crazy. So <laughs> I would um, I would just raid their dump bins of the the three for tens and all that stuff, and just like just for parts, like, <laughs> <laughs> would buy stacks of figures and go home and just immediately cut them all apart.
2: So we'll jump back to Eddie and Ray here in a sec, but I do have to tell you my favorite KB Toy Story. So back in two thousand. The very first Hardy Boys 2-pack was coming out, and it was Double Slam 4, I th- believe it was. And I, we were on the hunt for it. Now, this is a hotbed figure because they were shown at WrestleMania Access 2000 that year. Everybody went crazy. Knew it was going to be coming at around, around, summer, around summertime of 2000. So my brother and I get on the hunt for him. My brother lives out in the city called Tracy. I live in Alameda. So it's about, or San Leandro. It's about 45, 50 minute difference. So he's hitting up different KB Toys targets and all that stuff and uh, Toys R Us as well. I'm on the hunt, can't find them down here. I go to this KB Toys that nobody ever goes to because it's in a really bad area. It's close every, to, it, it borders Oakland, California. this
1: town is, had one KB that nobody <laughs> ever <did. laughs>
2: exactly so this one is close to the border of oakland california which oakland isn't the best so i'm like i've got to try it because i need to find these figures i walk in sure enough sitting right on this end cap is the hardy boys one one set i let out a fangirl scream like a girl that was at a boy band concert in 2000 (laughs) and went banana the workers over at the counter look because they thought something had just happened in this bad area. (laughs) And they look at me and I'm like, Oh, sorry. I'm just excited. I just found this. And they're like, okay, 20 year old guy. (laughs) So anyways, that was the only time I ever found those Hardy boys. It was the very first set. And so anyways, getting back to Eddie and Ray, but I had to throw that in because that's one of my favorite stories of KV toys. (laughs)
1: So I, I was looking around on eBay for mm-hmm. prices on this this single carded Ray, mm-hmm. and he seems to go mint on card for about thirty five to fifty five. I don't know. I'm, eBay is weird because it's not always the right, the actual prices what they go for.
2: eBay is kind of hurt collecting because a lot of people see these buy it now prices, or they if they have a figure and they're looking on eBay and they see a inflated buy it now price, they don't do an average. They just see an inflated buy it. Now they're like, Oh, I can get 55 bucks for this figure. Well, I'm going to throw it up for 55, you know?
1: Yeah. So, I was actually checking finished. I, I always check the finished ones. Uh-huh. On eBay. So listings. And that's where I was kind of getting these prices, but um, Lucy's not worth a ton. He's like 15 to 20. So you're going to pay what about what you would pay for an elite, a modern elite mm-hmm. for him. Well, I, you know, I would think that if you're going back and collecting these figures, you really want it up, mint on card anyway, because, like we said, the, the card is nice and it, it yeah. is, kind of a, you know, that, third, you to kind of have a figure like this.
2: And that was part of their best of ECW and WCW line. In fact, they made a ray in the yeah. Best of ECW line, too, as well, where he was in an orange outfit. And yeah. you mentioned the card. The card on the Best of ECW was also really good. It was a blue background. It had the ECW letters on it. That was another thing that I loved about Jax's. is their packaging. For example, the Best of WCW and ECW was fantastic. Maybe not for the uh, early bone crunchers. That was still kind well, of yeah, a – Yeah, that was all
1: very basic.
2: but r- Right. But when you look at that Jax Classic line, that – <laughs> they came out with man that's still some of the best packaging that has stood up over the test of time
1: yeah. in with- some regards sometimes their packaging overshadowed the product
2: <laughs> it, it did it did they had to take away from the bigger bodies
1: <laughs> yeah totally.
2: With the Jacks Classic, they had that gold star, and the tough thing for about mint-on-card people and people with OCD, you had to keep that star perfect. Yeah, and if that got bent, that ruined your life, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is it is really hard to find some of the like the deluxe line in perfect, perfect condition because of that, mm-hmm. because of all that die-cut pieces. Also, I, you know, again from a manufacturing standpoint, that packaging, that deluxe packaging. With like the the die cut like curved yep. over piece and stuff, that's expensive. Plus, they had all of the um the foil, yep, and stuff. That's expensive card. That like <laughs> that's expensive packaging.
2: With your background in stuff like that, how much to for a complete figure manufacturing all that stuff? What was the average cost? Let's throw out a GI Joe. What was the average cost <clears throat> of total product?
1: I don't know back in like the 80s and 90s, really. But I can tell you that from the the time that I was at Hasbro, like a four-inch G.I. Joe figure, um, which have way more articulation. And the more articulation you add to a figure, the more deco you add, the more expensive it becomes. Like very, you know, like a standard G.I. Joe figure probably cost around $4. Now... And only ten years later, the figures that we do at Boss Fight, the four inch figures, mm-hmm. they cost closer to like seven or eight ish. It it depends. Some figures are are more and some figures are less. And I would say, you know, our six inch figure figures coming out cost probably what the retail was at the time for these six inch figures.
2: <laughs> gotcha.
1: But, it's it's it really does go up really fast, um, and plastic is more expensive. And we we're doing even more articulation than like the the deluxe, classic or the the elite have. We're going like at one step further than that, so it's just more and more expensive, and and it, it does become a burden. <laughs>
3: that
2: that's <laughs> what, that's interesting because like I I do know what certain toy lines pay you know, their bottom line for a figure from beginning product to end product. I know kind of the rough estimate. And uh, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, those figures are too expensive. Well, one, this could be for a smaller company and they don't mass produce such, you know, they don't mass produce like a Mattel or a Hasbro. So their bottom line is, Higher because they're not getting yes. thousands and thousands of parts and stuff we, like that.
1: We run into that too at Hasbro. They didn't even want to turn to you know to set up a line uh, of machines to to put together a figure and stuff unless you were you were the low was like ten thousand and even that was like, are we going to really do this for only ten thousand figures? We didn't really want to do twenty thousand or forty thousand. And um, you know, but us at you know a boss fight we run 3,000. Like that's our baseline. So we're running like a fraction of a fraction of what like Hasbro and Mattel run. Yeah. Um, Which you're right. It does. The more you run, the lower it brings the the price and the cost. Um, So yeah, that's, that's always a big, that's always a big hit on price as well.
2: Yeah. uh, That's the thing is my brother and I came from a world of collecting and kind of Just seeing the final product on the pegs, I've always been fascinated by the back end test shots, prototypes, everything from the get go, because we don't, we never saw that from, and with your expertise in Hasbro, I find that very interesting. I could sit back and listen to you all day, talk about that stuff too, (laughs) you know, prototypes that got scrapped or, you know, uh, whatever it may be, test shots that were used or whatever it may be. I just find that very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was involved in so much stuff at Hasbro that got scrapped.
2: <laughs> I can imagine. I, in fact, you know what's funny is I was reading a thing on the Wrestling Figs message board and a gentleman over at Mattel, his name is Steve Ozer, he's kind of the WWE marketing manager type person.
3: Mm-hmm. He
2: was he was talking about how prototypes that get scrapped kind of have to go into this, I'm not going to say vault, it's not like a Scrooge McDuck vault, you know, that type of thing, but it's a... Uh, a, a, kind of like a secret room or a, a room that where he goes in and if they have to use something for reference, they'll have to check out the prototype and then return it. It's almost like a library. Yeah. So, Anyways, I found that absolutely fascinating. It's good
1: that Mattel has that because Hasbro has no lockdown on any of that stuff whatsoever and it kind of evaporates into the ether in, in, and <laughs> the... the the mists of time and <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyways i could sit I, dude i'd be like a kid in a campfire with a, a s'mores on the end of the stick i'd sit back and listen yeah, to you all day about this but back to eddie and ray <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah so about four years later Jax puts out the deluxe classic two pack mm-hmm. which i was a ringside collectibles exclusive yep um, it came with the cruiserweight belt and the fabric mask for because at the time Ray would come out with extra masks and give them to the give them to kids in the crowd. Beautiful touch. Yeah, amazing. Um, I do not know. I could not find the retail on this figure either. I... So, I've
2: seen this one go for a hundred and eighty dollars all the way up to four hundred dollars. Yeah, and this was a glaring hole in my collection that. I kick myself for because back when this came out in 2008, 2009, I got hit by the recession and Mm. I was watching my pennies and dimes and all that stuff. So this was such a glaring hole because I wanted it so bad, but at the same time, I just couldn't afford it. Yeah. I, I wasn't working. I was hoping to have a job lined up, which eventually did become my job. I was sitting back just watching this go off of ringside's website because Unfortunately, I just couldn't afford it. But when they came out with that two pack, it was that initial, I need to have this. Yeah. It was, it hit me. I was just like, I need to have this. I've got to have this, but I can't afford it.
1: Oh uh, I was kind of in the same boat. Like I, um, I, I wanted it. And again, this scale, I kind of talked myself out of it because of the scale and because of money. The listeners will hear this a lot from me. I'm very frugal. I'm kind of cheap with my money. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of it. I never have, especially back then. We like my wife and I were were very very poor,
3: uh-huh. and
1: um, so like things like this were extravagance. So I, it would have been something I passed on at the time. Mm-hmm. The set's so good though. Like mm-hmm. I love the mask. I love Eddie's smirk. I love that Ray is like like he's like screaming. Like it's such a good set. And uh,
2: so I just actually received this for my birthday from one of our oh listeners. I, mean, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I opened it up. I had a package on the doorstep. I opened it up. They had, they made me do a Twitter live. <laughs> and so I <laughs> popped it open and I, I, you, you know that time where you just don't have anything to say because you're just in amazement. Yes. That was what was going on. And the Twitter live video is boring because my facial expressions are just making or showing what's going on. But <laughs> um <laughs> But it's it's such an amazing set. And I, it, as I said, it's one of those I regret not getting. There's a lot of those back in the day that I regret not getting due to finances. But it's such a great set. Now, that one, I will say, that is where you do notice that Ray is a little bit on the bigger side as far as scaling. Yeah. So he's kind of as the same size as eddie grow now if you go back to the match ray and if you go back to life but ray was nowhere near the size of eddie eddie was thick he was you know he was he was he was like a bulldog he was just yeah, and was
1: big i have an interesting story about ray uh mm-hmm. with this is uh back in florida my best friend whenever wcw came to florida which was usually miami we would go mm-hmm. and uh we were there one night at a nitro, uh, a Monday night nitro, and um, we in- managed to get tickets. We were right at the the corner of the fences surrounding the ring, right oh, yeah. right where the uh, the walkway met the ring circle. Like, so we were right there at the corner, like only a couple feet from the ring. And Mm -hmm. so as everybody came out, we could like give high fives and stuff like that, which you would never do now with social distancing. But at the time, (laughs) right, right, you know, back in 1996, it was fine. And uh, when Ray came out, it was the first time I realized how tall he was or or not tall he was is because I'm not tall. Uh, and Ray is still many inches shorter than I am. Gotcha. Yep. And I was like, I was like, holy crap. I can't believe this guy <laughs> gets in the ring with these giants. It was also the, the same night I realized how big Hulk Hogan was in actual life because mm-hmm. I didn't realize how, just how giant he was. Cause he was at the time, he was always with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And they're so big, yep. so much even bigger than him that, I, I kind of, in my head, I assumed he was like kind of a normal size guy and somehow, and it, even though I'd been watching him for years, I, but yep. like, when he came out, I was like, oh my God, he's like two heads taller than <laughs> my head is the size of his bicep. Like it was just, so it was like the the same effect on both of them, but just on the opposite. Which
2: was well, that's, that's funny. You mentioned that because I felt that say, I met Ray Mysterio at the Oakland Coliseum. He, what they used to do back in the day is to move tickets at, for a house show you had to purchase a ticket, but then they would bring in a superstar to sign autographs. And my brother and I are huge autograph collectors. We nice. love getting our wrestling figures signed. So I took Ray's Ruthless Aggression, very first one where he's in white, took that to the Oakland Sam bought the tickets, then went to uh, meet Ray. And when I walked up to him, I didn't realize how much taller I was than him. But it's funny because when you you think about that, you're like, oh, I didn't realize how much taller I am than Ray. But when I went to a Golden State Warriors, kind of fast, going to a different sport, but going to a Golden State Warriors game, we had some floor seats. And I'm walking by Steph Curry. Now, on TV, Steph doesn't look as tall compared to all these other guys that are seven foot. But I'm walking by Steph Curry, and Steph Curry is taller than me. And I'm like, I thought I was the same size as this guy. You know? <laughs> so it's funny, the mentality that goes on in that.
1: Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Cause you're used to seeing them on television. You don't realize their actual size.
2: Yep. Yep. We don't realize that they're to scale, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. So just on another note, I, I have, saw, I did see some people on eBay and stuff asking it, upwards of $800 for this item. Do not pay $800 for this item. No. There's no way. (laughs) There's no no. way it's worth that.
2: (laughs) Do not. Do not. You guys will find a better deal.
1: Yes. Uh, there will. Be patient.
2: (laughs) Yes. Patience is virtue. Please be patient in the collecting world. Don't pay over value prices. Like the King Harley race figure from Mattel that came out. That figure. That figure. It's worth an arm, a leg, and everything other appendage you know (laughs) but it's don't pay those prices please just be patient you will find a better deal or mattel will make another one of those that you can snag it may not be the exact same they may have to go in and make a couple tweaks yeah but don't pay those prices please
1: i always i always do that i've been i've been itching for the uh elite eddie guerrero he might be elite he might be best of I i don't remember but he's uh he's in the um the red with the with the world title um i've been itching for that one but it, it's like it's it's not even that expensive but it's still like just one of those things where i get squirrely once it gets over like 40 bucks like i'm like yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me and gambling
1: <laughs> yeah like I'm, I'm just like you know every once in a while i'll do it you know but not not a whole lot um but then sure enough though they just announced that new eddie coming out
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah he's not in the exact same outfit and stuff like that but it's from the same, a uh, similar era. And I'm, so I'm super, super excited about that. And eventually I, I you know, we, we do a lot of cons and stuff. I, I like trying to find loose ones cause I'm going to open it anyway. Okay. So, like buying, I like to find loose figures anyway. Like it's, it's just kind of fun for me. And I like going to cons and kind of stumbling upon something I'm looking for Would rather you, than just jumping on eBay and buying it.
2: When um, you can find that deal. Oh, that's the best feeling in the world. Great. <laughs> exactly
1: I, I'm I'm real squir- squirrely about the uh you know speaking about Eddies, is uh, I'm real squirrely about buying the I really want the elite Chavo Guerrero with the poncho and the the headband and everything but uh again it's it's just out of my price range for uh, yeah at the time at this time so but I'm always looking for it I'm always checking I, I check, check eBay and stuff I look around shows and cons and
2: check loose bins
1: Yeah, yeah. I love checking loose bins. I love digging through loose bins. If nothing else, I just like find, even though I might not buy stuff, I'm always like seeing things that I just think are fun.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: Six years later, Mattel now has the license, Mm -hmm. um, not Mm Jax. And they do a Hall of Fame Elite Eddie Guerrero in 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, He comes with roses the latino heat t-shirt um this is figures not exactly his halloween havoc gear. the golden black are reversed on his yes. pants yes and it's missing the red i'm not sure is this more of an outfit that he wore at wwe
2: um, you know what? You know, it's funny is we kind of have a resident person in our community who is so honed in on outfits. Like there are certain outfits people will wear where I can be like, oh yeah, he wore that at Survivor Series ninety six, Brett wore that at Survivor Series, or yeah. Sean wore that at WrestleMania 14. But when it gets to certain stuff like this where the colors are flipped on the legs. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So he's coming with roses. And I remember that he would always hand roses to China. So it could have been something around there.
1: Yeah. That, that would kind of make sense then um, more for this, this outfit. It, it, for me, I'm, I like accuracy with costumes and stuff, but for me it's kind of close enough for in my collection. This can kind of go with my, with my purple Ray from Mattel. Mm -hmm. Um, it's funny that this figure on card is, you know, sells anywhere between like 35, 40 and 50 bucks. Like Mm -hmm. it's, that's, that's pretty high considering it's, it's only been, well, now it's been five years, but upwards, uh, you know, even like two or three years ago, this figure on the East coast, at least up, uh, up North here was peg warming. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it was all over the place and targets and stuff like that. And and now that it's suddenly worth this, it's, like, kind of weird to me because I was like, you know, even a couple of years ago, I could still find this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you'll see that a lot in the wrestling figure community. Figures that warm the pegs all of a sudden will just boom in price. And you're just like – I saw that all the time. I could be reselling all the ones that were warming on the pegs, you know, yeah. making, making a $20 profit off each single one. I, I, it's, it's so confusing how that happens and you don't know where that comes from or why that happens, but it just does. It's almost like there's a community of a side community where people are like, I need this figure a after it goes off the pegs.
1: There's a theory about that in, in totally collecting and uh the industry that if something warms the peg or warms the shelf, it means nobody's buying it. Mm -hmm. And eventually it goes to discount locations Mm -hmm. and gets sold more or or donated and ends up being opened and played with by kids rather than being collected by collectors because Mm -hmm. we all passed on that figure or that Mm -hmm. playset or whatever but eventually it makes its way into the hands of kids. So they all get opened and they all get kind of wrecked and played with um, because they're donated or they end up at like five below's or, you know, toy works back in the day and stuff like that. So that means there's fewer, there ends up being fewer of those items on the card and mint.
3: Oh, So that's kind
1: of the theory behind that. Why, why that happens sometimes. Um, It's, it's interesting. And it it's kind of one of those weird, that's the thought process anyway behind that that
2: happened. gotcha gotcha that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and i i'm not sure about marvel or dc if you guys see that over there same thing happen
1: or yeah Joe. it is like we see peg warmers then all of a sudden they're and then all of a sudden they're gone yeah like and then a year or so later they're worth you know, they, maybe they're not worth as much as the chase figure was, but they're worth more, like almost double what they were in the store.
2: That makes complete sense. Completely understand.
1: I will say this: I I love this. This is my favorite Eddie figure. This Mattel Elite one uh, oh, with uh, the Latino heat T-shirt and the roses and the the Eddie is the only guy who could pull off a mullet. Like he's the only. <laughs> guy. I, I, he uh, rocks.
2: There were some good ones back in the 80s oh, there, Yeah,
1: there were. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um it's it's funny because you look at Eddie you you talk about the mullet. He he would come out and you're like, "Oh, dude's got a mullet." Man, that actually looks pretty good on him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like he rocked it. He Yeah, man. <laughs> you you miss him
2: and it's funny um you think back to certain passings that have happened during your life and you always remember where you were when Passings have happened, and Eddie is one. I remember waking up, uh, going in, logging on to AOL, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, going to a w- WWE.com, and it said something about Eddie. And I was like, Eddie passed away? What? Like, is this storyline? What's going on? And then that's when everything kind of steamrolled from there. But it's one of those passings that you always remember where you were. And yeah you know, you don't remember where you were when an actor passed away or someone that was in their eighties and it was, he was an old time actor. You don't remember anything like that, but these guys were such larger than life people to us that you looked up to them. Dino Bravo. I remember where I was when I heard that he passed away, but I remember watching Dino Bravo and thinking this guy is huge. He's a, he's going to take on Hogan. He's going to defeat Hogan, you know, but I remember where I was when he passed away because you looked up to these guys. These guys were big. These guys were these guys were actually real life superheroes to us when we yeah. were kids.
1: And Eddie was on such a great upswing career-wise at the time. Yep. Like yep. it makes it even all the more tragic, you know. It didn't there's always the the stories from WCW that he uh you know why him and and some of the other guys uh left was because they were never going to really get a chance at WCW and and they got they got that chance at WWE which was great and yep. uh, yeah his his like rise at WWE was fantastic and yeah then it got cut short and then you know shortly after of course Benoit's got cut, cut short, which is a whole different conversation. Right. But um, you know, it was so tra- it was all so tragic and, yeah. and awful.
2: Yep, completely agree.
1: Well, let's let's get off the depressing <laughs> part of the conversation here. Um, uh, so o- only last year, uh, Mattel Elite sixty seven put out the Ray uh, in the the Halloween Havoc gear. I think this was the first Ray. To come out after he returns to WWE.
2: Trying to go through some basics. I believe you are correct. I'm going through their basic line, which we don't really, we don't really pay much attention to. I don't honestly.
1: either. I I look at it and and I kind of I, I kind of move past it pretty quick. Um, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Doing it, and I like that they you know I like a lot of the costumes because they can pick cost more and more costumes to. in that line Mm and the other than the elite line because the elite line is more expensive and and i I can talk about that for hours because we're going to end up doing the same thing in legends of lucha libre Mm
3: -hmm.
1: but um the uh like there's the upcoming um ricochet versus uh the dream and Uh,
2: battle pack yeah
1: yeah the battle pack and the dreams wearing possibly my favorite outfit that he ever wore which is both an homage to hulk hogan and an homage to uh ricochets character on lucha underground uh prince puma prince P-
2: yep yep and
1: it, it's such a great alphabet but i'm like well I, i'm not gonna really buy that though because it's a basic but i kind of <laughs> want to because it's
3: awesome like
2: <laughs> that's the thing is like they always my sh- when i say they mattel will get you with these basics every once in a blue moon like for me um i had to have matt riddle's very first figure oh, I, yeah. I love matt riddle and it was a basic unfortunately but When I saw it on the pegs, guess what I did? I was like, ah, darn it, you got me. So I'd pick up a basic. And I hate collecting basics, but they got me on Matt Riddle because I'm such a huge fan. Now I'm not going to go and collect every single Matt Riddle. I'll get the Elite that's coming out in the future, but I had to have his very first figure.
1: They they got me with the uh, battle pack of uh, Zelina... And uh, Andrade and because he came with the mask, and I yep. was just like, Oh, you know, when's the next time they're gonna do uh, Zelina will probably be a, a long time before they do another one, so
2: great call on that.
1: I, I picked that one up, and then of course, I bought two more elite <laughs> Andrades like shortly after that, like in <laughs> <New> England, <so. laughs> But yeah, the uh, th- this Ray figure, this is one of my favorite Ray figures, it's not my favorite, uh, my favorite Ray figure is the Day of the Dead deco on the Mattel one. Excellent figure, best yeah, best cool. Ray
2: figure they've ever anyone has ever done, to say the least.
1: Yeah, and um, but I do love this figure. Um, I have some, I have a a gripe on the costume, and this goes back through all the Jacks, the two versions of the Jacks version, uh, Phantom costume as well, and that's that they're all done purple and black, and the mm-hmm. costume is actually purple and dark purple. Really? And yeah, some parts of it are black, but all the the graphics on the chest and everything are all dark purple. Really? So it kind of drives me nuts that <laughs> it's like this. Um, and it's been like this three three times now. <laughs> <laughs> like if it was one time, that's fine. The other thing is is a uh, and this I'm sure is an edict from WWE is all the WCW belts have the WWE logo, not the WCW logo.
3: On
2: That's a licensing thing, unfortunately. Yeah. And that goes back to one of our gripes, but it goes back to a licensing thing as well, as we want a lot of these old-school NWA guys with the old-school NWA titles. For example, yeah. the, the U.S. title that Barry carried, Barry Windham, Lex Luger, Nikita Koloff, all those guys carried, we would love, absolutely love, that u.s title same thing with the tag titles not the first version that there was godly brown leather strap with the big gold but the ones afterward was like kind of like a dark blue that the midnight express the world warriors that they carried but at the same time that goes back to a licensing thing so unfortunately it can't be made
1: and some of those are tied up with tna right like our our impact like some of them
2: yes yes
1: like the rights to some of those visuals and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Correct, correct, yeah. It's, it's
1: oh. all, like our Lucha, upcoming Legends of Lucha Libre line, you know, we won't have belts in it mm-hmm. for the most part because it, we were not actually signed with any specific like companies like we're not signed with triple a or impact or aew or any of that we're signed with the luchadors themselves correct So we don't have access to the belts legally to put them in um i would love to have some of those belts but uh for now we can't do them unless you know the deal changes but
2: now is there any talk of you guys maybe doing like a kind of a knockoff looking belt or anything like that or i
1: have talked about making up a belt because uh I, I don't know how many people have seen it, but if uh it's on our Facebook page, it's on my Facebook page. If if you root around a little bit, um and whenever we meet luchadors, we like to take pictures of them holding it. But a couple like a year or so ago to celebrate the signing with Mask Republican Legends of Lucha Libre, I designed and had may ha, had a belt made so it's it's a boss fight championship belt oh whoa and it's got like a skull in the middle and like with like a mask on and it's got like some boss fight logos and some other stuff all over it like and it's it's kind of based on the shape i i had it it's a company uh, i'll have to look up the company i can't remember it but it's uh they they make they basically laser etch onto these plates Oh wow! and they're not super expensive and they're really cool and they're really nice looking in the uh-huh. end heavy and metal and you
3: know,
1: <laughs> like it's it's we we take it to con like last year at expo lucha we took it around and had a lot of the luchadors luchadors hold it and take photos with it and stuff so oh that's awesome it, it's a fun belt tone um
2: if you go if, actually uh sorry Jack, but one thing i that bothered me was back in the day jacks they wouldn't at first, make colored belts. They just had all gold. Yes. Then they started adding color onto the belts eventually with some of the tag titles like the Heart Foundation 3-pack that Jax made. They made the world tag titles with a little bit of color. Same thing with the deluxe classic Honky Tonk Man. And he came with an intercontinental title that had a little bit of color on it when they started adding color to the belts, oh my God, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world, you know?
1: Yeah, it helps a, a belt pop. And almost all of them have color on them.
2: Ex- exactly. But the one that comes with the Eddie and Ray didn't have the color on it. And it, even though it was a deluxe, it yeah. still was just that solid gold. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. Add just a little bit of color, please, you know? But again, that goes back to costs. That comes yeah. back to all that. So... Yeah. Did it fit under their budget? We don't know.
1: Yeah, I actually, this is a good point to touch on deco and cost. It's interesting because every hit of color, every stamp of color, every brush stroke of color on a figure, they count that at the factory. Mm -hmm. So every time it's hit, it it, it goes up. So if you look, especially at the Rey Mysterio, these three Rey Mysterios, that's a lot of deco. Yep. on that phantom costume. Yep. Like there's it's all over the place whereas like half of the Eddie Guerrero figure is basically just cast color plastic. Like it's simple. Like there's no deco and you know Eddie doesn't even have tattoos. So like nowadays, when they do a Ray a Ray Mysterio figure, he's completely covered in tattoos, and he doesn't wear a shirt anymore when he wrestles. So correct, <laughs> that's an expensive figure too. And so, uh, uh, you know, we're finding this out, especially with, of course, we picked, you know, the two figures we're starting with, who have wrestled with Ray Mysterio a number of times, are you know, is Penta Zero M and uh, Ray Phoenix, and they are both covered in tattoos, mm-hmm. like. It's crazy, and I, I got to spend some time with them backstage, um, taking photos of all their tattoos and stuff, and for reference for us to replicate them. and And it is; it's they are completely covered in tattoos, and we're gonna learn the hard way <laughs> 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 the cost issues on this. That, it, it, there's no, there's no; it's not a mistake that Wave Two has very few or no tattoos. <laughs>
3: <laughs> gotcha.
1: We can kind of recoup a little bit of that.
2: <laughs> well, I I talked to you about this on our show, or when we had you on as a special interview. But kind of touching on the legends of lucha libre figures, what we love is the extra penta zero mask where it's ripped and torn. It's so beautiful, and I can't even imagine the deco costs on that one. I'm not.
1: Okay, so one of the things what we're doing with our line is we're separating parts of the mask mm-hmm. from the face in, okay. and the reason for this is it's easier for them to paint the eyes and the mouth and like you know penta's makeup and all that before the mask is on because if the mask is on if the mask is sculpted as part of the head uh-huh. there's, there's two there's that that like three that dimension from the mask to the skin of the wrestler like right. too deep for them to get in there and really paint the eyes easily oh so that's... we've actually separated the masks um in different ways it, it don't try and peel off the mask and see what they <laughs> look like because uh-huh. if you do the rest of their face isn't there the only part of their face that's there is what you see
2: gotcha gotcha
1: the figures look really strange without the masks on
2: (laughs) (laughs) but this this is the interesting stuff i love this background and this uh insight into stuff like this this is the fascinating stuff to me so like just learning that again dude every time we talk you always blow me away with something but (laughs)
1: but yeah i
2: didn't know that we didn't talk about that part eventually run out of
1: facts but um, (laughs) (laughs) no you won't (laughs) the uh but it's it's funny because it's uh the ray figure is Oftentimes they're sculpted as part of you know the the current ray figures like the the phoenixes on the side of his mask are separate, and it looks so much nicer than some of the earlier ones where it was part of the face where the head head was all one piece
2: gotcha um
1: so they've been doing that too as they get get further along. One of the things I would love to have seen on this ray mysterio elite, especially is the torn mask because eddie does try and tear his mask off of him during the match
3: yes
2: 100 percent.
1: and that would have been an amazing piece especially like as the elites have gone on they've gotten more and more parts added to them mm-hmm. so that's always uh like it's uh, like and this one was just on the cusp of them starting to add more and more parts
2: <laughs> well you know what's funny is uh, the one thing that I'm going to nitpick this figure, because it is an excellent figure. The one little nitpick I always felt is they didn't go with a darker purple. And it's just, it's, to me, I felt that his outfit needed a little bit of a darker purple that, yeah. than what was on those, this figure. But if you go back to the best of the WCW figure, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt that that was a darker purple.
1: It's definitely, I feel like the, the best of WCW figure is definitely a closer purple to what he was actually wearing.
2: Yeah, and this one was a, a lighter, and that was my small, small little nitpick. And yeah. if you guys, if that's my only nitpick, then you guys hit a home run.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I, I bought this, I, I was really, really wanted this figure, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, ne- I never saw this figure in a store. Really. And then last year in San in San Diego, I was at not San Diego Comic Con, but I was at Expo Lucha promoting the Legends of Lucha Libre line, and one of the one of the booths had one for twenty dollars, which is retail price. So I was really really excited and bought it immediately. Like didn't even blink, pause or anything. I'm like, I'll take that. And, <laughs> you
3: know,
1: and I opened it right there. We there are like photos floating around the internet of our phoenix which was the only figure we had sculpted at the time mm-hmm. next to the ray mysterio figure because <laughs> like, we would like people would come up and like How, how's the scale with mattel and i'm like well here you go <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's actually uh something that i had forgotten about because when we were looking at the boss fight figures the first question that is out of every collector's mouth are they in scale with mattels yeah that is the first question and To me, if you guys would have gone a little bit bigger or anything like that, and this is just as a different view, and I don't have the same views as the next collector that's two houses down for me. But if you guys went a little bit bigger, that would have been fine by me. But I'm glad you guys did go with that same scale or kind of close. You guys were in the same, very close, actually. Yeah. Uh, Because I remember seeing that photo going around because everybody was like, hey, are these in scale? Are these in scale? And I used that photo quite a few times on Twitter to show the reference. So I'm glad you brought that up because I had forgotten all about that. But we had this conversation when you and I were talking on uh, our special interview. I'm okay if somebody wants to try a different scale like DC McFarland. They went with a seven-inch scale over the Marvel Legends six-inch scale. And I'm okay with that because I love out of the box thinking. And if it involves going a little bit bigger, I'm okay with that. Not, I'm not talking about Jack's uh, obese style, uh, bigger figures that we were seeing back in the day, but I'm okay with people trying a different scale, going up, going down. To me, that's what I loved about collecting wrestling figures from over the 36 years. I look at my loose shelf. I have these eight inch rubber LJN figures. Then it goes down to a four inch Hasbro figure. Then back up to these Jack's BCA figures. I love seeing the different scales. It's almost like a a lineage or a history of wrestling yeah. figures that are not in scale with each other. And that's what I love. I, if they were uniformed to me, that would be boring.
1: Yeah. But, in the end, we went with the same scale as ja- as uh, Mattel because we figured people wanted to put them together yes you know a lot of people at wwe now lucha underground with penton and, mm-hmm. and um talent that we have ac- access to for legends of lucha libre so we figured people are going to want to put ray with penton phoenix or ricochet with penton phoenix mm-hmm. you know things like that so and and
2: you and you guys aren't wrong. nobody you guys actually hit it out of the park with that scaling because a lot of people want those dream matches. Yeah. The, the figure photographers want to take a picture of ricochet with Penta or Phoenix or whatever it may be.
1: How amazing is that day of the dead Ray gonna look with Penta and Phoenix?
2: Exactly. <laughs> amazing little and see that's the funny thing is my view is kind of not those with the majority of collectors and a lot of these collectors want to line these figures up and have their dream matches yeah and and like with the jushin thunder liger figures that came out from uh storm collectibles a lot of these people were like, uh, "It's it's a great figure. The looks great. The deco, the cape, the everything is on it. He's just got a little bit of a bigger body. He's not in scale as far as body wise, like girth or like muscular wise, as with my Mattels." And I'm like, I, I now I look at that Jushin Thunder Liger and I think it's like one of the best figures I've yeah, ever seen in my life.
1: A gorgeous figure. Yes,
2: yes. So I understand a lot of people's. Uh, wanting to keep it in the same scale as their WWE figures because they do want to have their dream matches and I've got to go back as a kid I was so vanilla I would take my LJNs and only wrestle with my LJNs that what I was seeing on Coliseum home videos had to be what I was uh wrestling with yeah so if I so if I saw Hogan and Bundy in a cage I was having Hogan and Bundy in a cage and then I would take my AWA Remco's and wrestle with them I they had to be separated they had to you know they were their own federations
1: yeah I didn't do that like I didn't mix my Star Wars with my Joes or my you know, like, <laughs> yes didn't happen. Like, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but going back to originally what I said is you guys did it right by hitting a home run with those figures and there's a lot of collectors that are excited for these figures a lot especially with the torn mask penta that that keeps getting brought up quite a bit in dms or in twitter feeds or instagram feeds or whatever it may be so you guys have done really really well
1: well yeah it's funny because that's the figure where you see the most of his face that you do see this whole part of his face. And um, I got to say we, we had a bit of a hard time getting that likeness because we didn't have photos of him without the makeup. on. <laughs> <laughs> like it was <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to have those photos. So
3: right. Right. One, two,
1: so yeah, I think this was a, this was a great discussion. I hope people have gleaned something from it. <laughs>
2: well, I don't I, know
1: what that is. but
2: well, as I say, as I always say, is and plus, I'm gonna ask if you ever want to be on our show, and you, you and my brother will have a, your own GI Joe segment. But <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I love your insight, the knowledge that you have regarding toys, the background, test shots, prototypes, whatever it may be, working at Hasbro, doing boss fight, working with Mass Republic. The insight is very knowledgeable to a lot of collectors and that's what I love. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I, I, I'll, I'll be, be perfectly honest. You know, you and your brother know way more about wrestling toys than I do. Uh, so.
2: when, you do when you do it for 36 years, you kind of, yeah. <laughs> you kind of, you kind of pick up one or two. <laughs> yeah,
1: It's, it's kind of, it's kind of too bad. Dur- during this quarantine time, all of my wrestling toys are in, in my office. Mm-hmm. And I can't go to my office right now. So <laughs> I am uh, the only wrestling toy I have is uh, this Toy Biz Vampiro who's been hanging out with me on my desk while I work.
2: I'm looking forward to talking about that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, you you mentioned that you were a big fan of the Toy Biz figures.
1: Oh, yes. I Yeah, I am.
2: And there was uh, not, this isn't, to start a debate or anything or whatever, but I wasn't a fan of the Toy Biz figures, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, but that Vampiro and the Faces of Sting set that came out, yeah. those were some home run figures from yeah, Toy Biz. Really so, but we'll get into that later down the road.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I hope everyone enjoyed this. Uh, we're going to do some shout-outs and some plugs here, real quick. Be sure to check out Boss Fight Studio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Pre-order our Legends of Lucha Libre. 8 at uh, bossfightshop.com. We have the first two figures up for pre-order as well as the first two accessory sets. Um, a huge shout out to Mass Republic and Kevin Kleinrock for the opportunity to, to do this podcast and his amazing partnership for our Legends of Lucha Libre line. He's been amazing. Of course, the Lucha Central website and the Lucha, Lucha Central channel coming up. Another shout-out to our editor-producer, Chris McLeod. Make sure you listen to his uh, The Full Force, a fan cast about the world of Action Force and G.I. Joe. It's an amazing podcast. I'm often on there, but not not all the time. <laughs> um, uh, shout-out to Ringside Collectibles uh, for their great service and for the great photos I pulled off their site this week to help put this together and talk about the toys since we didn't have any of them on hand. And finally a huge shout out to the WWE talent that was released this week. Not a single one of them deserved this and I know all of them will land on their feet. Uh, um whether that means back in WWE or at one of the other promotions, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan it's a good time to be a wrestler and I I think it's a bummer seeing that they that this, you know, this pandemic has led to some of this um but some yeah. of my favorite wrestlers were on that list. Hawkins, Ryder, Leo Rush, Sarah Logan, Rusev, man. it is just a, it's, it's going to be a slim year for WWE. I guess the rest of the year, we'll see what they do. I I hope and I know that most of them are going to be land on their feet. So uh, Jeff, where can everybody follow you?
2: Uh, if anybody actually, my brother and I were, are kind of pushing people away. We have t-shirts on what and, and pro wrestling tees, but during this time we want you guys to go support smaller companies and wrestlers that are kind of need it more than we do. So we want you guys to go support your favorite wrestler who entertains us and re- entertains everybody, uh, over our pro wrestling tees, or if they have something that you want to buy off them, go support them. So that's what my brother and I have been pushing lately is just go help out the smaller companies that need your dollars during this time but if you want to just if you're kicking back relaxing and out for a walk why don't you download the fully posable wrestling figure podcast and there you go you can listen to a bunch of backlog episodes over four years worth you can hear my brother and I just ramble and ramble and ramble about wrestling figures so I re- highly recommend that I am going to be listening to Chris I see Chris up there I'm going to check out the full force podcast Cast. and i'm gonna make my brother listen to it too because he is such a huge huge gi joe nut especially right now he's all in on these pre-orders right now with uh the hasbro line so i'm gonna make my brother check that out as well so uh yeah itunes iHeartRadio, radio spotify just do searches uh if you type in fully posable wrestling figure podcast into your google search will pop
1: right up awesome well that's our first show uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to us discuss Lucha Legends and Halloween Havoc, as well as all of our tangents. Uh, join us next time. If you have suggestions on specific Lucha action figures you'd like us to talk about, uh, message me on Facebook, uh, and uh, I'll add it to our list. We are kind of going to jump around company to company and Lucha to Lucha, and I think it's going to be a fun time. So Absolutely. thank you for listening.